This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. In fact, I'm going to log into the text messaging service and see if it's up and working today. Yesterday and last week, we were having some issues with it where I wouldn't update, but like once an hour. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of messages would come through. And I know that they said they were going to be doing some maintenance on the texting service. And this is out of our hands. We don't control that. So I will log back in and see if it if it is up and running and working today. If you want to send me a text, feel free to give it a go. Or you can just go to the live stream and just go on to YouTube and Twitch. Excuse me. And uh, again, it's YouTube.com slash Casey the host or Twitch.tv slash Casey the host. And I would be happy to go ahead and answer your, your questions there and uh, there's plenty of people who can answer them for you. Most of the questions other people have answers for, or they'll make sure that I see the question during a commercial break. All right. So uh, what do we have here? Okay. Let's just go to the people's Republic of California. I ran into this. I thought this was interesting today. We'll have a, a HOA story in a little bit. A small group of homeowners in Castro Valley, California. That may be the most appropriately named location in the people's Republic of California. They're not happy that they have been stuck with a bill to clean up an abandoned homeless encampment in their neighborhood. Alameda County has demanded that Walsh Property Management pay about $20,000 to clean up the mess that was left by homeless people because part of the camp was on land that it oversees. Okay. So the government wants them to pay $20,000 to clean up a homeless encampment that they themselves would not be allowed to clean up or get the homeless people off of the the land. You imagine in the People's Republic of California, if you went and tried to chase some homeless people off of your land, you imagine what the government would do to you with the homeless protection laws that they have there? So you're not allowed to keep them off of your land. You're not allowed to chase them off of your land. And when they do leave, finally, and the government comes and cleans the encampment up, you have to pay the bill for it. That sounds exactly like the People's Republic of California. Twenty grand. You know, it wasn't $20,000 to clean it up either, even with the purveying wage. To cover the bill, Walsh charged each of the 75 homeowners in his local Lakewood Homeowners Association about 300 bucks. The cleanup includes garbage and hazardous waste in the San Lorenzo Creek Ravine. Oh, so there's environmental crap that had to come into this. Many of the homeowners are not happy that the cost has fallen on them since they reported the homeless presence to Walsh Property Management a few years ago before so much mess had accumulated. And again... It comes down to these protection laws that they have there. The residents alerted Walsh property, Walsh property Management, and they didn't do anything about it, said Paul Sanfter, a spokesman for Alameda County uh, Supervisor Nate Miley. The district includes Castro Valley. The authorities didn't know about it, he says. I don't buy that, but anyway. According to the owner, Ed Walsh, the company was informed that there were homeless people in the area, but not that there was an encampment along the creek bed. Again, I don't buy that. Uh, we were told of a homeless of the homeless in the area. No encampment was noted. Here's the deal. Use your brain. If you have multiple homeless people around in a particular area, there is going to be an encampment. There always is. 
If there's one homeless person, they will have a campsite. Okay? That's how it always works. This is basic elementary stuff. Anybody who said, I didn't know there was an encampment there. The moment you were told that there were multiple homeless people who were there on the regular, you knew that there was an encampment. Whether anybody actually said it to you, whether you actually saw it, doesn't matter. You knew it was there somewhere. The HOA has was not certain an encampment was on their property until August of 2019. They then informed the county of the problem. Okay, so they told the county about it. That's when the county cleared out the inhabitants and told the HOA that it would be held responsible for the cleanup. But the HOA can't... Here's the thing. <clears throat> First of all, HOAs are unconstitutional, and I'll get to that here in just a second again with another horror story from that. You can't expect the homeowners and the HOA to chase the homeless people away because if they tried to do it, the authorities would get involved and they would likely be disciplined or punished or fined for even interfering. And now, again, they had to go to the authorities. Remember, they had to go to the government. The government then cleared out the homeless encampment because the HOA can't do that on their own. They're not allowed. And now the government is saying, but now it's your fault that uh, this mess is here. Some frustrated homeowners contend that Wall should have known that the encampment was on HOA property, and I agree, and that his company should pay at least part, if not all, of the bill. And of course, you know, from their perspective, they're, we are paying the bill. The homeowners are just, you know, reimbursing us. This is why I hate HOAs. H- There's very few good things about an HOA. Regardless, they're totally unconstitutional. Uh, Walsh told the Epoch Times on January 28th, by the way, I had a message the other day from somebody, what do you think of this Epoch Times? They are a fantastic news source, okay? And um, just the fact that the Chinese government tried to burn down their buildings in Hong Kong tells you how effective they are. They do tend to lean right, but they're moderate right. Uh, but they are a very good outfit, and they back their reporting up with a lot of data and a lot of facts. I've been very happy with the Epoch Times over the past several months. Anyway. Walsh told the Epoch Times on January 28th that he has been advised not to speak further with third parties about the issue. However, he had it earlier told KPIX News he was uncertain about the property lines. Oh, <clears throat> so the guy who runs the HOA doesn't know anything about the HOA's property lines. Well, that just sounds great, doesn't it? There are no fences and such that would mark where the property line ended, so... We were kind of hoping that it was somebody else's responsibility. We were kind of hoping that it was somebody else's responsibility. But you didn't confirm that it was somebody else's responsibility. You chose to neglect your responsibilities as the owner of this HOA company, this management company. That's that's on you. Sorry, my throat has been messed up for the past several days. Walsh said on camera, unfortunately, this one happened to be on the association's property. It is your job to know the property lines. He admits that he didn't know them. It's your job to confirm whether or not something is on your property lines. And he says he chose not to do that. He was just hoping for the best. This guy needs to be sued by every resident of this development. And they need to sue him for full $20,000, probably more. And then they need another management company. I don't know what the the actual contract is with this, but holy moly. 
the county is not liable to pay the cost of the cleanup, uh, Sanfter said. This is the homeowner. Uh, let's see. Legally, it's the HOA. It's the members who own the 75 homes, but the 75 homeowners are upset because they weren't notified until a few weeks ago when they received a letter from Walsh stating that each resident had to pay 300 bucks. So it was a communication breakdown. And let's not forget, they told the HOA that there was a homeless issue a long time ago, and the HOA management firm just decided not to really check into it. <clears throat> let's see. Uh, the HOA is responsible for the common area of land where part of the homeless camp was located, and the property management company didn't do its due diligence in policing the open space and alerting residents, the homeowner said. There are some residents who want the county to pay, but it would be a gift of public funds, he said. It's a sticky situation because we've had people who would dump stolen cars on private property, and it's up to the private property owner to remove them. Um, yeah, but <clears throat> with that said, there is a legal component, too. And I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know what the local ordinances are, but generally speaking, in California, they have so many protections for the homeless that if you are going to try and drive the homeless off of land you would likely meet the wrath of the government. So there's a little bit of a different angle with that. But regardless, the, the HOA's management company totally dropped the ball here and now is trying to get the residents to pay $20,000. And that's not even the bad story of HOAs today. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And you should follow Michiana's Morning News on Twitter. And then follow me at RealKCH on Twitter so I can tell you everything that they got wrong in the morning. 574-25-95-953. I'm just joking. Relax. Chill out. I haven't thrown a chair in a couple of days. I've been trying to be on my best behavior lately at the company. And I'm getting the itch to throw things again. <laughs> so <laughs> we have a town hall meeting. Uh, in the uh, the company tomorrow, so I will do my best to take my CBD stuff before I get here to calm me down, just so I don't throw things around. All right, five seven four twenty five ninety five ninety five three. Because I'm sure that there's like one of you out there who still wants to debate contract law with me when it comes to HOAs. Feel free to call. HOAs are unconstitutional. Okay, period. End of story. They buy they violate the Bill of Attainder provisions of the Constitution. The Supreme Court has upheld this in separate cases, and I can get into all of it with you. I'm not going to right now. So I just told you this story about an HOA in, in the People's Republic of California who didn't do their job, and of course the homeowners have to pay $20,000 because the HOA didn't do their job. Okay, Now, Ash Show over the Daily Wire, and again, most of you know that she is, her articles are featured regularly on this show. She is probably my favorite writer right now. She wrote an article on the 24th, HOA board from hell. Arizona neighborhood threatens to fine residents for critical social media posts. Now, there's a lot of crazy stories about HOAs out there, especially in Nevada and Florida, okay? So if you go to Nevada, you go to Florida, you look at HOA horror stories, you are going to go down a rabbit's well that you have, well, rabbit's well, rabbit hole, that you have never imagined was possible. There have been veterans who have lost their homes because they were deployed and their grass wasn't the right shade of green. Okay? I have had numerous friends 
who literally, because there was a hot spot on their grass and a tiny little, like, two-inch patch of grass wasn't as green as the rest of the grass. That's a fine. That's a fine for something that is naturally occurring. So you have, you know what the, the fix is for the, Joe, any idea what the fix is? You have to spray paint the grass. I am not making this up. You have to spray paint the grass to match the color chart. But when you spray paint a tiny little patch of grass, it doesn't match the natural grass. Guess what that means you have to do? You've got to spray paint all of the grass. Because if you don't, then the grass doesn't look uniform. And yes, I know, grass doesn't look uniform naturally. Any dead plants, that's a fine. Your light out out front, that's a fine. Uh, We could go down the whole thing. People have lost their homes because of the color of their drapes. These are real stories that I've covered. They are not constitutional. They should be abolished in their current form. So, here's the story. Perhaps the most critical portrayals of homeowners associations came from the 2006 animated film Over the Hedge, in which the president of the HOA, Gladys, rules with an iron fist over her neighborhood. For the record, I don't know what it is, but in a lot of these HOAs, you get the, I think it's the person who has zero friends, zero popularity, and they just want to wield power because their ego is very small. And they want to go ahead and make everybody's life an absolute nightmare. And since they don't have their own country and they can't be Hitler himself, they do what they can to mimic him when they are the board president. Our first introduction to the character involves her chastising a resident for not trimming their lawn in accordance with HOA rules, saying the homeowner's charter, which you saw, and says the grass is supposed to be two inches. And according to my measuring sticks, yours is 2.5. Now, some of you might think that that is some kind of a parody, but it's not. That actually happens. And people are fined thousands of dollars for it. And if they don't pay that fine, they lose their home. Ashley Nerdetia is the administrator of a private Facebook group called Residents at VVL, which is a, rev- a reference to Val Vista Lakes community in Gilbert, Arizona. She told ABC 57 that the Facebook page is about bringing that community together. Okay, so a lot of communities do this. You live in a place like we have uh, we have a Facebook group here for Federated Media. All right. So all of us who work at Federated Media, there's a Facebook group that we can join Federated Media and we can talk with each other about various things. And, you know, it's it's kind of a way for us to connect with one another. Also voice some concerns, pass some ideas on and address some, you know, potential cultural issues maybe in the company. And it's 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 a good tool. Right. And I just submitted my uh, my request to join the group today. It's been noticed that I have been missed, I am told. (laughs) Like anybody cares what I think, but okay. Uh, So anyway, this is a common thing with HOA communities that they have these types of message boards. And and the idea is that if so-and-so is not doing anything, you can address it in a private group and maybe get it handled without getting the HOA board involved and getting fines involved and and that sort of thing. Neighbors can look out for one another. You can let your neighbors know, we're going out of town. Can you please keep an eye on the house? That sort of thing. It's just a way for people to come together, right? Kind of like a neighborhood watch meeting would be. But you have this message form online to be able to address those issues. 
Uh, see, the outlet reported that it's mostly filled with people posting about events, lost pets, safety updates, etc. Last year, however, the page became a place for residents to criticize members of the housing board during the elections. It was disagreements about how certain members of the board run the board, where they're spending our money, things of that nature. Now, this is an actual election. For those of you who don't know, this is a real election that happens. They campaign, uh, that sort of stuff, and the residents are the ones who vote for who's going to be on the board, and then the president, and all of that stuff. So, if you have somebody who's on the board who's mismanaging your money and wasting your money on stupid things, okay, you should air that grievance in a forum that you are that, that exists for you to air that grievance. So if you got people, there's always people who are active in the community and then people who are passive in the community, right? So the people who are active in the community might know that so-and-so wasted your money giving his cousin Lenny a job that uh, that they charge way too much for for the community when you could have easily priced that out and sourced it for much less, and therefore the residents would have paid less for the service and got the same result. And so maybe you make that known. I don't think so-and-so is on the up-and-up here on the board. And then a passive member who might check in with the community reg- you know, semi-regularly might go, wow, I didn't know that. They're wasting my money. Holy smokes, maybe they'll be more involved. And so you should be able to air these grievances. It's an election. If you don't like what somebody has been doing in office, shouldn't you tell people about it? That's kind of how politics works, right? After the elections were held, according to ABC 15, the board proposed a social media policy restricting opinions about the board on Facebook. So the elections happen and the HOA board says, we don't want anybody to talk bad about us online. Like I said, HOAs are unconstitutional. Obviously, the members of the Facebook page disagreed with the policy proposal. Elections do have consequences, though. The board went a step further, sending Nardeccia a letter from a law office threatening to fine her for the critical social media posts. So the HOA is literally saying that she does not have a First Amendment right to say what she believes about the HOA board on Facebook. So much so that they will fine her for saying it. They are threatening, if I don't remove any content that frames certain members of the board in a negative light, that I will be fined $250 a day. Now, guess what happens if she doesn't pay the fine? They take her house from her. They foreclose the house. They take it from her. She's homeless. That's what happens if she doesn't pay the fine. They are asking me to basically censor the speech of of the 650 members that belong to that page. Another resident, Keith Faber, told ABC 15 that he received a letter as well for his posts on the Facebook page and brought up the fact that the board cannot restrict free speech rights on a private social media page. They can't do it on a, on a public social media page either. They can't do it at all. It's improper and they need to address, and maybe there should be some resignations, he said. Like I said, they're unconstitutional anyway. They violate Bill of Attainder. But now you've got HOAs running around, and actually, you can't say mean things about us. If you do, we're going to find you and take your home from you. So, if you think that HOAs are a good idea... You are a hundred percent wrong. Got more coming up. News Talk 953, Michiana's News Channel.
and good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Phone number 574-2595-953 if you'd like to join the program today. Texting is intermittent at best. Um, I was just looking at it and there was no message that was younger than an hour old, so may not be the best way to do it. But if you would like to send me a message, go to YouTube or Twitch, and you can send me a message there. Most people are on YouTube, but YouTube and Twitch can talk to each other via chat because I pull the chat from both platforms into one thing. So you can see that. But um, you had a lot of new people today on the live stream. Thank you for that. Had some new subscribers as well. I appreciate that. If you're on YouTube or Twitch, please subscribe to my channel. And if you're on YouTube, hit that like button. It really does help. And feel free to say hi. You know, you don't have to join the conversation the entire time, but at least introduce yourself and say hello. All right, uh, Derek Dieter, of course, uh, local uh, former, is he a former police officer? He's still in the police department. I don't know, but he's a former city council president, common council president. And Derek Dieter went on with Tucker Carlson yesterday. He actually called me the other day to let me know that he was doing Tucker's show, and he was asking if we had studio space that he could use, and we're still in the middle of building it. So we didn't have it. Uh, we started uh, building that out. That was actually an idea that I had that they went with. Our engineer is doing it as we speak upstairs. Got a green screen up there and everything. So it's going to be great. Uh, we'll be able to do those um, syndicated hits and the the news programming and things like that when I'm a guest. And we'll be able to do that in the media room now upstairs. So it's going to be really cool. Plus, if we have any special guests come in to, for the music stations, you might perform a show or something like that. They can do a little live stream up there. So it's a great idea on my part. And an even better idea for the station to actually put it together and implement it. We're very appreciative of it. Well, company, not the station, but... Uh, very appreciative of that. Can you cue up my audio, please? So Tucker Carlson had Derek Dieter on the show. They were talking about the South Bend Police Department, and they were talking about crime since Pete Buttigieg became mayor. And, of course, this is something that we are well aware of. I've talked about for many, many, many years. But everybody outside of South Bend, outside of Michiana, uh, is a retired police officer. Thank you. I appreciate that. They, um, Everybody outside of Michiana, just, they're totally clueless about this stuff. And the media who does come to town, they don't bother talking to anybody but Pete and his people and, and all of his supporters. And I, this has been a contention and a complaint of mine since the very beginning. They all come to town, they just don't talk to anybody. And it drives me bonkers. Because you should be talking to other people in the community to figure out what the actual pulse is on the mayor, right? So this is Tucker Carlson talking with Derek Dieter, again, former police officer in the South Bend Police Department, and also the former Common Council president and council member. And by the way, Pete Buttigieg at one point wanted him off the council because he felt that it was inappropriate for a cop to be on the council. <laughs> so anyway, this is Tucker Carlson with Derek Dieter. Mayor Pete Buttigieg is one of the youngest presidential contenders in the history of presidential contenders, so he doesn't have a lot to run on except for his mayor, eight years, his, rather his record as mayor, of South Bend, Indiana. But did he do a good job? Hmm. Well, here's one measure. During his eight years in charge of the city, crime in South Bend surged. In 2012, the year that he became mayor, there were 233 cases of aggravated assault. In 2018, the number of aggravated assaults tripled to 711. What happened exactly? Well, Derek Dieter knows. He's a former South Bend police officer and city council president. He joins us tonight. Derek, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thank you. I'm honored to be here, sir. Well, thank you. So, uh, you know, I'd never hold any executive mayor, 
you know, president, governor responsible wholly for crime numbers, but that's a massive rate. That's a rise that's really troubling. What did Mayor Pete do to cause that or what did he not do to prevent it? Or how is he related to that? Well, I think it's a combination of things. What's going on now that uh, the personnel is at an all-time low of officers on there. Uh, five officers just went to a neighboring city, including the 2017 Policeman of the Year. Three more are on their way. Uh, people have left at alarming rates, uh, both white and black. So I think it's just the overall kind of nativity that he got into this stuff. You know, you can't read Tally's Corner, expect to know what's going on in the inner city. You really have to experience. And I think since he got in, he got on, off on a wrong foot with the former chief. And it's been kind of downhill ever since then. But if you're mayor or if you're any leader, keeping your people safe is obviously the most important job. It's job one, keeping them from being assaulted. And if they're being assaulted at three times the rate, then there's a huge problem. So was he aware of this, attentive to it? Did he try to make it better? What did he do or not do? Well, I think it's, again, attempting to do things. I think his heart may have been in the right place, but I don't, to be honest, I don't think he really knew what to do about it. In 2017, a record 102 shootings occurred. Last year, that record was broke. And already this year, South Bend's had four murders and about 13 shootings. So again, it's a horrific pace that it's on. And I just don't think right now, and in addition to basically Throwing the police department under the bus of saying all police work is based under the shadow of racism is not a good way to, to get in touch with all your officers. No, it's completely idiotic and it doesn't help anybody of any color. So I read a story that said that under him, under Buttigieg as mayor, police officers were warned not to fat shame people. What does that have to do with keeping the city safe? Yeah, I guess you'd have to ask him. I retired in 2014, but I still talk to officers almost daily. In my, I have my own security business, so I'm out there in the community, always have yeah. been. And I guess it's just, again, he, he may have not gotten good advice from people. He has his own idea how to do stuff. And until you've been out on the streets, which I've been out there since the 70s, until you experience that and see yeah. it and, and have anything to do with it, it's really, it has, he's not got to the point of what it should be in the city. And it's very yeah. disheartening for all the policemen I've known being there and growing up of what it's turned into now. Very quick, last question. Since you, you do talk to current police officers in South Bend, if they were determining the election, would they vote for Pete Buttigieg for president, do you think? I can't tell you how they'd vote one way or the other. Huh. I think we're getting a sense. Th thank you so much. Derek Teeter, great to see you tonight. <laughs> okay, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Tucker's, Tucker's great. Derek gave a shout out to his boys and, uh, and everybody. So I, was <laughs> I think we get a sense on how they would vote. Yeah, look, it's... Yeah, especially if you look at the FOP and and how they have reacted to P. Buttigieg, um, I think you do have a sense of how the vast majority of the South Bend Police Department will be voting anyway in the presidential election. But there, look, he had. There are some people on the on the police department that like P. Buttigieg. All right, it's nobody's universally hated, so he does have some of those. Um, yeah, and again, I one of the things that I bring up to everybody is when former Chief Teachman came into town, and. I, I always point out, I was like, first of all, he was brought in from New Bedford, Massachusetts, and he had already had a terrible reputation with his dealings with the minority community and minority members of the council. Okay, already, right? And nobody in town looked into that. I was the only local media person who contacted the city council president in New Bedford and asked him about some of the reports that I had seen on the show. Uh, or not on the show, on, uh, on, on uh, the news. And... Sorry, I was distracted. Joe's asking me a question. So you had 
you had the president of the council, and I, I spoke with him. I was like, so tell me, what, what, what do I need to know about Ron Teachman? And he says, well, he doesn't have the best reputation with the black community here. Uh, he often deals with black members of the council with, uh, I'm paraphrasing, disdain, distrust, unprofessional, that sort of thing. Now, again, you hear these accusations all the time, and you never know if they're accurate or if people are just race baiting, right? And then what happens when Chief Teachman comes to town? One of the first things happens is I basically throat punch him for an hour on on uh, on uh, PBS about gun control, and then he walks into a local black church wearing shackles. This is the new police chief. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what on earth are you doing? And it just went downhill from there, right? So now he's obviously not the chief anymore. But people always leave that little bit of history out, including him not coming to the aid allegedly of a fellow police officer, also happened to be a black police officer. Hiding in the bathroom, some people said. So there's a whole bunch of very interesting stories about Chief Teachman. And we just, we kind of skip over it, right? We start off with Chief Boykins and that scandal and the police tape thing. We skip over Teachman and we go into what's been happening since. And unfortunately, we miss that that huge block of time there where Chief Teachman was in charge. And obviously Scott Ruskowski is, is now in charge, but Chief Teachman was there. And there's a lot of controversy and scandal that happened under him, so... Uh, when I mention that to people at on national media, they all go, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's kind of, it, national media is so far behind on this, as you would expect them to be. But because they're so far behind, you would also expect them to reach out to local media. It doesn't have to be me. I mean, I'm the only one who really opposes Pete Judge here in the media. But it would be nice if they would actually reach out to local media and go, hey, what are some of the other things you can tell us about it? And they just made no attempts to do so. we got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. We have a lot of great discussions happening during the commercial and news breaks on the live stream. Go to YouTube.com slash Casey the Host. That's C-A-S-E-Y. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you prefer Twitch, you can also go to twitch.tv slash Casey the Host. It is live streaming on both of those platforms. We also did some major work on our audio live stream. So if you have the MNC app, which is free in your app store, or if you're listening at 953mnc.com, you should have much better experience listening to the audio. Now, if you're listening on like iHeartRadio or something like that, they insert their own ads at various points, which will cut off some segments. So we recommend that you download the free 95.3 MNC app. To the phone lines we go. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hey, Casey. I was watching that uh, Dieter interview on Tucker last night, mm-hmm. which wasn't bad, except uh, I was a little disappointed at the end. <clears throat> Tucker served him up a hanging curveball over the plate, and he just kind of watched it sail by when they asked him about how the policemen would be voting. Uh, all he needed to say was that the union in this last mayoral election support of the Republican opponent over Pete's handpicked successor. I think that would have made the point. Well, I mean, perhaps, you know, I think part of it, too, is Dieter is trying to say, I'm not going to pretend to know how individuals are going to vote rather than looking at it from the FOP's position. And you're right. The FOP um, abandoned a long tradition of endorsing Democrats and they endorsed Sean Haas and they have broken. They've also said when I when I had the president of the FOP on, they said, you know, we're probably going to look at not being very political in the future. Which might be a good move for them, yeah. Just just because you're the police and you probably shouldn't be overtly political anyway. 
um, you know, regardless of how you feel. But also you avoid these things where you endorse somebody who ends up treating you like garbage, like what happened to them with Pete Buttigieg. But yeah, I mean, I see your point. I think from Derek's point, just knowing Derek for as long as I've known him, I think from his position, he's like, I'm not going to pretend to know how an individual is going to vote. So I think that's just where he was like, I'm not going to tell you, you know, how. But it would have been a good a good emphasis on the segment had he pointed out that the FOP abandoned their support of his handpicked successor and went with the other guy. And that a lot of those people who left the department that Derek Dieter did a really good job of highlighting, one of the reasons that they left is because, according to my conversations with them and with the FOP, is because they had a feeling, in a sense, that Mueller was going to win. Let's be honest, there hasn't been a Republican mayor since 1972. And he was going to continue the same policies that Buttigieg had, and they didn't trust him as a leader, and his they didn't trust his support for the police department. So they left. Yep. Well, yep. thank you, Casey. Just all, all I had today. Sure. I appreciate it. You know, and another thing that you have to keep in mind, too, and it is so much easier to evaluate what somebody does in a television interview when you aren't doing it. Television interviews are very different than having a conversation with somebody and you forget a lot. You know, you've got sometimes you got people talking in your in your ear and in your head, you're given some instructions and you have time constraints that are very very tight, even tighter than radio in many cases. So When you're doing those television segments, every time I do a television interview or a segment, I'm irritated that I forgot something. Literally every single time. And even when I get off the air and everybody's like, man, you did an awesome job. You did great. That was fantastic. Holy smokes. I couldn't have asked for better. And I'm sitting here, well, I forgot like these eight things. (laughs) They go, wow, that would have been even better. Yeah, but you just forget. You know, it's just, it's a very different environment. uh, And most people aren't used to doing it. So, I will say that, you know, per, you know I'm, I'm going to give him credit. He did, he did very well. Derek Dieter did a good job. I think he pointed out the facts. They were accurate facts. Um, he highlighted some of the migration away from the police department. He highlighted that some of those officers are not white. So I think he did a great job in highlighting some of the issues. Look, the crime issue has been a real problem uh, for for the mayor. When you factor in what they have done with the drug task force, and I think the county now has gotten rid of the drug task force, so there's really no local drug task force locally. Okay, well, regular police officers aren't setting up sting operations to get rid of drugs, so you can probably expect there to be an increasing drug issue in St. Joseph County, It's which is sad. We've got a lot more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.